if you have ever been to the eye doctor. <laughs> just a, probably just about everybody, right? And uh, yeah, sometimes the older we get, it seems like the more often we go. But um, yeah, do you enjoy it? Some of you do sometimes, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I'd rather go to the dentist, and I can't believe I'm saying that either, right? Yeah, I'd say, we won't talk about the dentist, all right? Uh, um, but you, when, when you go to the eye doctor, and you go because your eyes are important to you, you want to be able to see clearly, right? And so you're going to have your eyes tested to see if they've, they've gotten worse or better. And, and actually, do you know that sometimes the older you get, your eyes do get better? It might go down a little bit, but yeah, that, that actually happens. And, and so you want to make sure. And so you go in and, and, right, you've seen this, the eye test, right? You're familiar with this? Oh, yeah, the chart. Of course, now these days, at least my doctor, he's got it up on a screen, and you only see maybe one, and you move on down. And it's like, cover the right eye, right? Okay, can you, can you see that? Okay, tell me how far down. Okay, and cover the left. You know how they do that. And, well, I've had a couple times those uh, floaters and flasher things in your eyes, right? And, and you got to go, and I've had a couple laser things, and something was torn. So now every time I go, they want to make sure, look, nothing else is happening. So they, they dilate your eyes. How many enjoy that? <laughs> I mean, I fight with my doctor. I'm like, no, I just did that last time. He said, no, actually, you didn't. So I started writing it in my calendar so I know. Because he says every other. Now he says, listen, the older you get, we got to do this every year because we don't want another one. And, and oh, man. So they dilate your eyes and you have to wait. And, and you know how it is. Your eyes feel like they're this big, right? And, and they're like popping out of your head. And then they say, okay, come on in. And then they turn on these bright lights and they shine them right in your eye. Now keep your eye open. What? Are you kidding? Is this torture? What's happening here? eye tests, right? And uh, yuck. But it's a test to make sure your vision is good and to determine if there are any problems and with your ability to see because we want to make sure. And tests are good and they're helpful. But sometimes tests can be painful. Have you ever been tested by the Lord? You say, man, I'm not sure if I have been or not. Think about, have you ever been tested by the Lord? Can you think of a time when the Lord brought events, maybe difficult people, or broken relationships into your life? Uh, Maybe money problems, health issues, demanding experiences that brought you to your knees before God. And, and it was hard, and, and, and maybe you didn't know it at the time, but maybe as time went on and the difficulty, whatever that may have been, you realized that God was testing you, testing to determine if you would obey him, to see if you would do what the Bible says, to see whether or not you and I who know the Lord would walk faithfully with Jesus when life gets hard. Oh, that's not too difficult when things are going smoothly, right? 
But when things don't go the way we'd like them to, or there are those unexpected experiences, or health issues, or money problems, or difficult people, all of a sudden it's like, oh boy. And maybe the Lord wants to see how you handle the difficulties of life to see if you've lost sight of Jesus. In the book of Judges, the eyesight of the Israelites was just fine. That wasn't the problem. But they couldn't see the Lord. They lost sight of him. He was out of sight, out of mind. We're going to continue today in our series from the book of Judges, out of sight, out of mind. Um, And as a result, when... When we lose sight of the Lord, when Israel lost sight of him, the Lord used for Israel their ungodly enemies, the ungodly nations around them to test them to see if they would obey his commands. I had somebody tell me once, God doesn't bring hard things in our lives. That's the devil. Uh, Well, I beg to differ because I've read my Bible. How about you? And God did test Israel to see if they would choose to obey. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning, please, to Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. We're going to start there. If you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, would like one underneath the chair in front of you, it's there, should be a few chairs around page 166 in that Bible. Uh, But Judges chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 6 of chapter 2 and go through chapter 3 in verse 6 as we talk about this morning. I want to look at some significant events that will set the stage for the rest of our study in the book of Judges. And, And maybe to see what our response ought to be as what Israel's response was, and maybe there are areas that we need to think through, how do we respond in some of these similar situations? And uh, it's interesting, we started a week ago, and uh, when we looked at uh, chapter 1 and through chapter 2, verse 5, but uh, this is, in a sense, another introduction, and, and we'll say more about that as we go through, so it's kind of the second introduction to the book of Judges, And you'll see what I mean as we get into the text. So Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. Let me read. I think I'll have it on the screen for you. But uh, we read this. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done. Now... We get to verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, that's son of Nun, N-U-N, I don't know who Nun was, but it's not, he wasn't the son of anybody, right? Okay, you would have already known that, but Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Wouldn't you like to live to 110? Well, that depends, I guess, right? (laughs) Some of you go, are you kidding I'm not sure I'm going to make it to the end of next week. 
But uh, yeah, so there you go. Now, as you're looking at that, you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Chapter 1, verse 1 last week. Uh, after the death of Joshua. What? Wait a minute. Verse 8, chapter 2. Joshua, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age. Wait a minute, he died last week. What's happening here? He died again. No, no. See, what we have to understand as we look at narrative, right? A, a narrative in the Bible is just another word for a, a storyline, right? It's not a, a preaching thing. It, I mean, it, it can be applicable to us in that regard. But there's a narrative going on, a story that's happening. And Hebrew narrative in the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. And, and Hebrew narrative often uh, retells the account from a different perspective. That's what's happening. We saw chapter 1 starting at verse 1 and going through and how the land had been divvied up amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. Actually, uh, two and a half stayed on the other side of the Jordan. Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh stayed they didn't go in. They actually had to come in to help conquer the land, but they decided to live two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan that wasn't considered the promised land. But here we find that's going on, and now we start all over again. And Hebrew narrative tends to do that. You say, well, where else? Well, the, the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, we're not going to look there, but you write it down and go back and take a look. Genesis chapter 1 tells the story of creation. What happens in chapter 2? Does God create again? No, he elaborates. He goes back and talks all over again in greater detail. That's what's happening. Here's another one. And for years, I couldn't figure this one out. If you've ever read through the life of David, in 1 Samuel chapter 6, uh, 16 and 17, and you read about how David was a shepherd. He was the youngest of seven sons. And uh, Samuel came and was going to uh, pick. And you go on and find out he, he was a shepherd that killed the lion and the bear and played the harp and went to see Saul and all this kind of thing. Well, it looks like in chapter 16 and 17, if you follow the narrative, that it implies that later on that David didn't know Saul or Saul didn't know David when we find out the chapter before that he already did meet. That's what's happening. It's the Hebrew narrative. It's retelling the story from a different perspective. And that's what happens and that's what's happening here. So that's why often Bible uh, guys who write Bible study books or commentaries on all of this will tell us that there are two introductions. Chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 5 is the first introduction. And here, chapter 2, and starting at verse 6, six is the second introduction. And it, and it does appear that way. Because there is some repetition of things that, that the writer already covered. And here, we're just repeating again. So don't let that bother you. Just think that through. Go back and check Genesis 1 and 2. Check 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And, and just see for yourself. So... The first event that happened that had a significant impact that will set the table for what else is going on in the book of Judges is Joshua died. And all the elders who outlived him were told that in, uh, in verse 7. People served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, but then Joshua died. 
and things changed. The second, the Israelites lost sight of the Lord. Look at verse 10. The Israelites lost sight of the Lord. And um, we read in verse 10, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Knew neither the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Now that knew, the word to know there, or he didn't know either the Lord or what he had done that, that generation, the new generation. This is not a knowledge because of ignorance. When the writer of the book of Judges says, knew neither the Lord, what he means is they, there was an unwillingness to believe what they knew. There was an unwillingness to acknowledge the authority of God in their lives and in the life of the nation of Israel. There was an unwillingness to, to respond to God's leadership in their life and to obey the commands that Moses had given them, that Joshua had given them. It wasn't that, um, we don't know any better because we're ignorant. We don't know. That's a different kind of knowledge. That's not what he means when he says, who neither knew the Lord nor all that God had done. No, they understood. They just didn't want to follow. They just didn't want to obey. They weren't willing to believe and respond to God. The Israelites lost sight of the Lord. So after that whole generation, verse 10, had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up, you can read it like this, who did not follow God. They didn't care. They didn't respond. They didn't acknowledge the great miracles, the power of God that he had exercised in delivering the nation of Israel through the Red Sea and then through the 40 years in the wilderness and then crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land. They weren't responding to God's presence. So, verse 11, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. We saw last week in chapter 2 in the first five verses how that they broke their covenant with God. They had had a covenant, an agreement that, that they would obey God, that they would follow God, that they wouldn't serve the idols of the foreign gods in the land that God had given them. But here it is, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the idols of the Canaanites. Verse 12, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Israel dug themselves a hole because they wouldn't acknowledge God. They broke the covenant that they'd made with God and they pursued other gods. The Israelites lost sight of the Lord. Out of sight, out of mind. But thirdly, but the Lord stayed faithful. Oh man, I, we've talked about this. We'll say it again, I'm sure. It's like you read that, God, get them! 
Get them. What's wrong with these people? They broke your covenant. Get them, Lord. But the Lord stayed faithful. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. We read there. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Israel was, they were useless. They couldn't stand against their enemies, unable to resist. Then he goes on. He says, whenever Israel went out to fight, verse 15, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. The hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. When that individual I was talking about said, God doesn't do that to God's people. What, what is that? The hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. It wasn't just the enemy. The hand of the Lord using the enemy nations, the ungodly, idolatrous enemy nations, to beat down Israel. Why? Because Israel did evil. And we're told, just as he, look at the end of verse 15, just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. You see, God was faithful. He was faithful to do two things. He's faithful to do a lot of things, but here in the text, to deal with their sin. That's verses 14 and 15. He said in verse 15, whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them. He said, if you violate my covenant, I will defeat you. And he did. He was faithful to his word. Why? Because it's sin. Folks, we, we tend to think we can sin. We can do what we want. Well, it's questionable. Now, we know. Yeah, there are some legitimately questionable things in Scripture. But most of what we choose to do on our own as opposed to obedience to God isn't questionable at all. We know. If all we did was struggle with the questionable things, we'd be pretty good people. We'd be a pretty good church. It's not typically the problem. We struggle with doing what we know God wants us to do and choose not to do it, and that's what Israel was doing him. He was faithful. Secondly, he was faithful to raise up deliverers. Look at verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. The Lord raised up judges to save them out of the hand of the enemy nations and the people that were invading, raiding their land. And uh, God delivered his people by raising up judges. That's faithful, folks. Aren't you glad God is faithful? And over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we find God's faithfulness to us. Even when we aren't faithful to him. You say, well, Israel didn't deserve God's faithfulness. They broke his covenant. They chose to go after idols. They chose to serve those idols. God promised what he would do. He was faithful to deal with their sin, but he was faithful to raise up a deliverer. And that's what he did. Those judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. God delivered his people by raising up judges. These judges 
defeated the enemy. They rounded up people in certain areas of the Israelites to defeat the enemy, to set Israel free. Hear the word judge, and, and we're not going to get deeply into this because we're going to cover it at least six times throughout the rest of the book of Judges. There are six major judges who dealt with six major back-turning apostasies throughout the book of Judges. There are more than six judges, but there are six times when we have their stories recorded. And the judge was an individual who would, would be a great military leader and defeat the enemy that God was using to punish Israel. So that's what it, they were deliverers who won these great military victories. They were also... Uh, judges who, who were empowered by God. Just as God empowered the enemy to punish Israel, God empowered the judges to do his work, to give them victory over the enemy that God had brought into their life or allowed into their life. The judges were also leaders. Typically, they weren't judges like we think of a judge that sits on a uh, 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 in a court down here to decide right and wrong whether or not somebody broke the law or not. There was a little bit of that. In fact, in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we read about Deborah. And we're going to look more at her later. But uh, verse four, cha- or chapter 4, verse 4, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. So she, a judge would do a little bit of that. But that's primarily not what it was. It was to lead them back to God. It was to give them victory, to deliver them from the hands of the enemy because of the sin of Israel. That's what a judge did. So the Lord stayed faithful to deal with sin, but to raise up a deliverer. You know, I want you to not lose sight of this. Write it in your mind, maybe in the margin of your Bible, if you can do that, somewhere in your notes. You ought to be thinking every time we read about a judge who delivers Israel, ultimately about Jesus' deliverance of us from sin and victory over Satan. Now, we'll talk more about that as we go through each of the accounts that are there in the book of Judges, but it's very interesting to look at that. Here's another. So the Lord stayed faithful, yet, here it is, the Israelites turned from the Lord. The Israelites turned from the Lord. Another event that sets up, that we see here initially, that sets up a pattern, a cycle, a repeated cycle throughout the book of Judges. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 2. And we read there. uh, Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people 
return to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refuse to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Boy, we could really go more here about the faithfulness of God. We talked about that, but here, despite God's faithfulness, Israel turned from the Lord. That's apostasy. We talked about that last week, apostasy, rejecting what you know to be the truth of God, turning your back on the truth of God, turning your back on God's commands, his word, his truth, his direction for our lives. That's what Israel, and worshiping other gods, idols. That's what Israel did. Six repeated cycles or six apostasies Six specific times when Israel turned their backs on God, turned their faces away from God. And we're, we're going to be looking at those. And, and we're told that this happened over and over and over again. Now, if you would do any study, you would come across, if you have a study Bible, you may find out that as you're reading through that the the, uh, the editor of that who put it all together comes up with a title for some of these cycles of sin. Here's one uh, that is, uh, I've seen probably more often than not, the, actually the oldest one that I'm familiar with, the idea first, Israel sins. We've seen that. Secondly, as a result of their sin, God punishes them, they're suffering in their sin as the enemy nation comes in and beats them down relentlessly destroying everything they can and their suffering and then the supplication is another word for crying out to God prayer the uh, the King James I believe uses that in Philippians chapter 4 when it talks about with everything by prayer and supplication let your requests be made known unto God but it's praying supplication they're crying out to God oh God deliver us we're sorry we blew it We're fools. And then God raises up a judge, a deliverer, provides salvation. Now we see that over and over again. And we're going to look at the the six major times. That's a good, reading, there's all kinds of different words. And and here's one that I've landed on that I kind of put together just from bits and pieces. And a lot of them are four steps. I've made five and could come up with six and you'll see but rebellion because i think that's what it is sin yes but it's it's rebellion god's people rebel against him and his word and as a result experience ruin it's not just suffering yes that's true but it's ruin they i mean they are a mess when we get to gideon in chapter six you're going to see what life was like for gideon he was he was um Pressing grapes in, out in the, it, let me see, the other way around. Wheat in the grape press. All right? And it, why? To hide. All right? And so ruin. And then repentance. They turn from their sin back to God. And then what happens? God raises up the judge and there's restoration. Brings them back to a good place. And there's rest, and we'll see. That's my fifth one. Because there is, you'll see it. There's things get back, this is good. 
We've been restored and there's rest. And usually, as we mentioned there, as, as, as the writer of the book of Judges tells us, that in verses 17, 18, and 19, as long as that judge was alive, things were good. That's the rest. And my sixth one could be repeat. Because that's exactly what happens. That's what, that's what we read right here in verses 17, 18, 19. It just repeats over and over again. Boy, talk about God's grace, huh? God's love. How in the world could Israel turn their back on the grace of God, on his love for them? Over and over and over. Now, the thing about those judges, too, and, and, and you don't see it, and we'll, we'll see it maybe a little bit, but when you read through, there's an overlapping because it's not just one judge for the whole nation happening at the same time, and then he's done and the other one. The, the, we don't understand. There's probably some overlapping of time because it's not all in the same locality, the same geographical area. And, and, and if you could study through, you'll see that there are different geographical areas where each of these judges is functioning. And, and, and Gideon may have been overlapping with Othniel. We don't know that exactly, but when you study the big picture of the timing of the whole book of Judges, there seem to be more years listed than we can account for. Well, there has to be then some overlapping. And, and because none of these was on a national scale. Right, the, Philippi, the Philistines, when Samson, the very last one, uh, that w- was over more towards the Mediterranean, towards the Gaza. Anybody hear that word before? Over towards that direction. Well, there's different areas, and, and so it's not just one judge for the whole nation of Israel all at the same time. There's different areas, and you know as you begin to study through that. So pay attention to your geography. Dig into the back of your Bible if you have a study Bible and look at the maps and see if you can't locate the different areas where they are serving in that regard. But, but the cycle here will be repeated six times that we will study. And so yet the Israelites turn from the Lord. They apostatized six times that we know of. Turned their backs on God and served served Baal and the other idols. So the Lord tested the Israelites. The Lord tested the Israelites. Look at chapter 2 and verse 20. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained, and we just said that because we read it last week in chapter 2, verse, the first five verses, right? He broke the covenant that I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me. See, it wasn't that they didn't know. They weren't listening. They didn't want to listen. They chose not to acknowledge God. They wouldn't listen to me. I will, verse 21, no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. See, Joshua had taken Israel into the promised land. And divvied up the 12 areas that they, two and a half on, on the one side of the Jordan, but then the other, a nine and a half, right, 
um, in, on, into the promised land. And, and the boundaries had been all set up for each of the tribes. They had started conquering. When Joshua died, they were supposed to finish the job. They didn't. Some did, some didn't. But there was, we looked last week, chapter 1, incomplete obedience. Partial obedience. Folks, that is never right. Incomplete, partial obedience is never a good thing. But, but at least it's a little bit. It's not what God ultimately, it's not what God asked. How about with your kids? Mom and dad, right? Or those of you that are in an employment situation, at your job, somebody does part of what they were asked to do. Well, did they finish the job? No. Is part of what God says okay? Is that, can we call it obedience? God doesn't. And so that's what's going on here. The Lord was very angry. And so we get to verse 21. I will no longer drive them out. And he'd said that in the first five verses of chapter 2. And um, verse 22. I will use them. Who's them? The enemy nations. The Canaanites who were in the land that Israel was supposed to conquer. I will use them to what? Test Israel. What? God's using the idolatrous, ungodly enemy who they're supposed to drive out and wipe out to test Israel? Yes, that's exactly what he says. And see, notice verse 22, and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. So does God bring hard times into your life to see if you'll obey? You say, well, just because he does that here, does that mean that that's what he's going to do? Well, yeah, we have to be very careful to, to make uh, uh, about just choosing anything and saying, well, that means that's what God wants us to do too. We have to understand, but there's a, there's a pattern throughout that we see, and God is testing the Israelites. Yes, I believe God tests us. Read the book of James, chapter 1, and see what God wants to do. When the various trials, the trials of many colors, kinds, varieties, come into our lives, James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, what do we do? We count it all joy because we know God wants to teach us something. And what happens when we don't understand what does James tell us to do? If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask. Ask, right? And that's what's going on here in a little bit different way. But there you have it. Look at verse um, 1 of chapter 3. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. You know what? This generation didn't have to fight all those wars. Why? Because they were just staying alive for 40 years while their parents all died. Like how God killed them. Remember? Because of their disobedience. Now, that's not a lesson. Woohoo! But there you have it. 
And so as we reread that, he, he wanted them to learn how to fight. And fight wasn't just, you know, hand-to-hand combat or, or combat taking lessons and how to use a sword or a shield. No, no, no. It's like how to depend upon God when I say I'm going to fight the nation and you believe me. How to fight. How to listen to God. How to believe him for the victory. Verse 4, chapter 3. They were, to, they were left, the enemies, to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands which he had given their ancestors through Moses. There are things, and, and only you're going to know, that God brings into your life to see if you're serious about walking with him. To see if you're serious about obeying God. To see if you're serious about believing what he says in the Bible. And whether or not we're going to choose to do it. But God certainly wouldn't expect me in this. This is really a tough thing. And this certainly, he, he what, really? It's a test. And lastly... And the Israelites failed miserably. And we're going to see that at least six times. It's kind of like, and how is this supposed to help me? Well, as they say, if we don't learn from other people's mistakes or our own, we tend to repeat them again, correct? And Israel failed miserably. Look at verse 5, chapter 3. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I mean, this almost makes you want to throw up. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. And again, the Bible calls that apostasy. Three things. They abandoned the commands of God. Well, and, and here's how we know. They abandoned God's commands. One, they lived among the Canaanites. They became like them. That's the issue. You say, well, we live in the world of people who don't know God. That's right. But we're also told not to be like them. The Canaanization of Israel is what was happening here. I don't know if that's a word. I think I read it. Maybe not. The canonization of Israel. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? That's what happened, number one. Number two, they intermarried with people who, were, who, who didn't know God, who served Baals. That's what Solomon's problem was, right? He married all these ungodly women, right? And what happened? He ended up worshiping their gods and moving away from the true God. And number three, it's right there. They serve gods. They serve the Canaanite gods. That's idolatry. So have you ever been tested by the Lord? What significant events has God used in your life? You know, there's a God-sized vacuum in our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. There, There's a God-sized vacuum, a God-created 
need in your life for God. And if we don't fill it with God, we will fill it with something else. We will fill it with the desires, the sin of this world that will lead us away from God to pursue our own desires which aren't God's. If we do not allow God into our lives by faith in Jesus Christ, sin will fill that vacuum, that hole in our lives. Sin will do that. You see, if we don't know the Lord, our, our lives are so full of sin. If we know the Lord, we can have victory over sin. But if we choose not to, that sin will control us. If we don't allow God into our lives by faith in Jesus Christ, sin will fill our life. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. That's why the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. If you want meaning, if you want purpose, if you want satisfaction, if you want to accomplish great things for God, if you want to be on mission for God, and if you want to do it in a way that life lasts with purpose and meaning, that vacuum, that hole must be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him today, you, you, can't, you, have no other, you, you, have, you don't have any other option. You can't help it except you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we say regularly, Jesus died in my place for my sin. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here it is, out of sight, out of mind. Verse 2, set your minds on the things above, not on things on the earth. Out of sight, out of mind. If God is out of your sight, we talked about last week, fix your eyes on Jesus. If God is out of your thinking, out of your mind, set your minds on things above. What? Where Christ is. Why? Because we, he's our Father. He's our Savior. Trust Jesus. Do not let Jesus, get out of your sight, out of your mind. Father, so much here. We need you. God, it's so easy to allow things of this world to fill our minds, to fill our hearts, to fill our lives, to fill our eyes, our vision, the things, to fill our sight. God, help us to learn that you're faithful. That you love us, that you sent Jesus to die for us. Oh, God. Help us to acknowledge and follow your leadership, 
your lordship in our lives. And Lord, or for those today here who do not know Jesus, God, help them to realize that they need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died in their place for their sin and can change their lives completely. God, help us to claim the victory that Jesus Christ the ultimate judge and deliverer provided on the cross. For it's in his name I pray, amen.